What I love about EOS is it doesn't force the leader or the leader of that particular division to be the one that has to make the call. And the vulnerability side is really what I think you're asking. How do you get people to become vulnerable and say, hey, I have a problem, or maybe if I bring this problem up, it might hurt someone's feeling, that kind of thing. And I think some teams are better than others, for sure. But really just getting past that point, like, hey, put the egos aside. What is the one thing that we can accomplish in this meeting that is going to move our agenda closer to our 10-year goal? or a three-year goal, or a one-year goal. Really just getting that buy-in, it just takes time. You're listening to Bluetooth, the home services podcast featuring the top owners, marketers, and operators across the trade, bringing contractors together to uncover real problems, provide real solutions, and push the trades forward. This is Bluetooth. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Bluetooth. I'm your host, Brandon Doyle. And today I am joined by Patrick McIsaac, Managing Partner at the Roby Family of Companies. Patrick, how are you doing today? Thanks for joining us. Good, Brandon. Thanks for having me. It's a, it's a pleasure. Patrick, if you don't mind, will you just quickly introduce yourself and talk to us a little bit about your experience, how you came to Roby, and then talk about your current position at Roby Family of Companies? Yeah. So I started at Roby in 2010. I was in the industry. I worked for Ferguson Enterprises from 2004 to 2010. And then the owners of Roby, uh, Trent and Travis Haston, we had a mutual friend who's our current COO, Dave McGuire. And uh, Dave and I worked at Ferguson together. And you know, I'll never forget it. I, I got a, like a job description from Dave about Roby Electric, being a general manager of Roby Electric. And, and I was sort of like, hey, man, you know, I, I'm pretty happy where I am. I don't really think this is something that, that I'm interested in. Have tons of respect for what you all are doing over there. And he was sort of like, just, just come hear us out. So I did and um, sort of got the vision laid out of what, what, what Roby was trying to do uh, with their Roby Electric brand and, and was kind of at that age where I could make a move like that and haven't looked back. And that was 2010. I think my first day was September 1st, 2010. We were just Roby Electric in the market. And primarily most of our work was uh, with servicing existing clients from our Andrew Roby residential brand, which has been in the market since 1950. As I mentioned, Trent and Travis are third generation owners and uh, just done a remarkable job from a marketing standpoint of, of the brand awareness. And so uh, we had a lot to build off of. And so 2010, we, we got rolling or I got rolling uh, trying to help build out this electrical business. We were able to, to get some growth initially. Ultimately, the long term goal was to be able to do MEP, mechanical, electrical and plumbing out of our services brand. And so in 2017, we acquired a local company called WH Hobbs Plumbing that uh, has been in the market for over 100 years and uh, actually organically started HVAC kind of around the same time. That's how we kind of got the mechanical electrical plumbing, all three of those under the Roby Services brand, which we dropped the Roby Electric and then, and then uh, established Roby Services around that time as well to kind of encapsulate the, uh, those three services. Very cool. So in 2010, how big was Roby Electric revenue-wise or, or even employee-wise? How big was Roby Electric when you came over from Ferguson? I think we maybe were 10 or so employees, maybe around a million bucks overall revenue. And then and then paint the picture for us kind of leading up to 2017 when that expansion into HVAC and plumbing happened. Um, what what did your growth trajectory look like there? And and was it in 2017 in those additional services that really kind of generated that that revenue lift for you guys? Or was it just slow, steady, organic growth? More slow, steady, organic growth, to be honest with you. Uh, we had some pretty good blips where, you know, with some years that were, were stronger than others. But uh that certainly helped. I mean, the plumbing business was, uh, they weren't huge uh, by any stretch, but they were, they were, again, they had a very good brand, very good people and very good clients. So that was really, and we had some 
vast experience working together. So uh, it, yeah, more more slower organic, and then we've been able to add on locations. We have one in Boone, uh, which is in the mountains area. We have actually an Andrew Roby office up there as well uh, that's doing uh, custom homes and remodeling. And then we uh, we recently just uh, started a services office in Greenville, South Carolina. And so most of it's been organic. Uh, the acquisition certainly helped. And then you know, starting the HVAC side uh, organically has helped as well. I mean, I think it's the same concept that most of the other folks that do all three have where you know, kind of lean on your existing client base. Yeah, I mean it's it's interesting. It's kind of the holy trinity in the home services space, right? The the plumbing, HVAC, and electrical. So you guys obviously started with electric. I feel like normally when I talk to customers, it's the other way around, right? So tell us about that. You guys started with electric and then then broke into the others. That was really naturally happened uh, because Andrew Roby had uh, Roby Electric. They were they were doing probably a lot of their you know, kitchen remodels and bathroom models were done vertically integrated by Roby Electric at the time. Um, and that was based on having a, a skill set with with some employees that knew the electrical the electrical trade. And really, the story goes is, is back when this originally initiated Roby Electric, they were having Andrew Roby, the general contracting side, was having a tough time finding electrical uh, contractors. So they they just decided to start one internally. And uh, that's really why we started. That's we we already had it. But you know, in the true home services world, you know, electrical is sort of like the redheaded stepchild of the three. Mm-hmm. It, it seems to be the one that people kind of just do because they 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 need it for an offshoot, uh, whether it be mechanical or or plumbing. Just there's a need there, right? But I think that honestly was an advantage for us um, going through that time because there were so many established mechanical and plumbing contractors that were already into the services side here in Charlotte. And, and there really weren't as many electrical. And so I think that gave us a, a really an advantage and opportunity to sort of get ahead of the curve from a marketing standpoint. As you've grown the service side of the Roby business, has it been easier in, in, in a sense to grow it under the Roby name and being able to leverage the strong brand that Roby had created for 50 years in the Charlotte area? I mean, short answer is absolutely, right? I mean, absolutely. If you have a trusted brand already, which we that we've had since 1950, it certainly makes it tremendously easier than, you know, if we were to start uh, what we could call it P and D or we'll, we'll get to your name first, P and uh, BMP electric or BMP services. Um, just that brand awareness was huge. Yeah. And then having such a flagship brand that, that we that we've polished for years and years and years. Yeah, I think it made it a lot. It makes it a lot easier. Also, on the flip side, though, there's a lot more responsibility there. To perform, so you know as well as I do that brands are built over decades and can be tarnished in in a matter of days. So, absolutely, it was easier. Maybe not easier, but it, it definitely gave us an advantage for sure. Well, so I think uh, one of the things th- that I always say is is you're running a, a service call, but it's really an experience call, yeah. right? And yeah. and you need to deliver on that experience because the homeowner, like I, I as a homeowner, I don't know what's wrong with my air conditioning unit, my furnace, my toilet. All I know is brown water is coming up through the shower in my master bathroom, right? And that's no good. Uh, <laughs> but really what you're running is an experience call. You want to take care of that customer, be friendly, right? So what are some of the things that Roby does to make it a great experience once they're in someone's home? I think the word that comes to my mind that we use is you want to be an advisor. We're taking somebody on a journey. It is an experience. Many times the, the stigma on, on a service company can be poor because everybody has that one friend that's had a bad experience. So you're kind of battling that. It's just, it's just trust. Hey, we're not going to take advantage of you. We're going to do the right thing. If it's not right, we're going to make it right. I mean, these are just very basic, basic things that we fall back on. And so, you know, for us, it's, we, we, I've mentioned to you before the call, we operate on EOS, Entrepreneurial Operating System. 
got the book right behind me. What the heck is EOS? And oh, you that got one of the planet, I promise. <laughs> the best system, right? It's uh, so simplistic in nature, but you know, can do attitude, family, integrity are our three core, core values. And it's pretty obvious in our business if you don't have those. And so, yeah, you ask kind of what we do that's different is, is I hate to say this, but we, we care. I mean, that's, that's, that's what it boils down to. And our people care. And, um, you know, we want to treat not only our employees like family, that family extends onto our clients, but extends onto our vendors on our commercial construction side and residential construction side. That's more of a relationship business. It's not transactional, like a typical home services business. And our clients become our friends. You know, we, we hang out with them outside of anything that has to do with the project. So I think that's really what makes us unique is that we we really drive those relationships. Um, you know, from the customer standpoint, the vendor standpoint, the partner standpoint, all, all, all across the entire business. And, and that's kind of what we mean by that family. As leveraging the Roby name too, I would imagine it's made it a lot easier to attract, hire, and retain top talent in the industry where you know, it's, it's limited out there. The expectation is don't go to trade school. It's go to college, right. And yeah. get hundreds of thousand dollars in debt like I did. Right. And I think there's a misconception out there. You kind of talked about, you know, the trades can get a stigma a little bit sometimes. And I'm, I'll be honest. I mean, before working at Blue Crone, I was young. I was not a homeowner and I thought I was going to get this big, big, badass marketing agency job working on sexy <laughs> brands. Right. And then it was like, Oh, I took a job working with an agency who works in home services business. And I've learned to love it. And even my wife, I mean, um, she now values, we had a handyman on short notice before our first child was born a couple of years ago. We needed a shutter rehung on the outside of our house. It had just fallen down, storm, whatever. House was like 20 years old. And uh, the only person we could get out there was a handyman like franchise. I mean, there was red clay all over the carpets, everything like oh, that. Yeah. And it wasn't a good experience for us. And after that experience, my wife said, okay, I'm no longer afraid to pay for a little bit higher quality or that better customer experience, even though the end product, you know, a fixed air conditioner, the shutter back up on the house is going to be the same. Right. And so I think that's really important, but it, it's had to have made it easier to attract and retain higher employees. Right. Absolutely. And, and let me go back to what you were saying, too, about the stigma with the trades. Uh, I had a similar experience. Uh, I, I remember in high school, there was a poster. I talk about this a lot going into the cafeteria. It had two people. One was dressed in a suit and a tie, you know, and had the nice, looked like they were really put together. And on the other side, it had a picture of a construction worker that looked tired and the hard hat was to the side. The one on the left said, with an education, and that was the, the business person or whoever they were doing in, in the coat and tie. And on the right was the construction worker. And it said something along the lines of without an education, which is so backwards, in my opinion. Uh, I think I've also mentioned if, if I knew what I knew now, I probably wouldn't have gone to college. I might have just jumped right into being an HVAC technician. I know that as well. Um, you know, because you, you made the comment about having you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars of debt, which is a vulnerable statement for you to make. But I think there's a lot of people that are in the same boat that maybe, you know, went to school for something that they didn't enjoy or they don't enjoy. And they could have come to the trades where, you know, we are. it's a very reputable and honorable profession. We talk about this all the time. Uh, and I'm hoping this, this is paradigm starting to shift a little bit. And we're starting to see people really realize and understand that. You know, people like Mike Rowe and those kinds of folks that are sort of making the trades quote unquote cool again, because they are. I mean, at the end of the day, like this is a really great opportunity for young folks or for any folks that, um, that, are, that are in a career they may not like. Sorry, I kind of went off on a tangent there, but I'm really passionate about this. Yeah. I mean, it's the same thing. When you work at a small to medium sized business, um, whether you're lumping in the Roby family of companies and all that, or just talking about Roby services or blue Corona, right? I mean, everyone becomes your family. You got to like the people you work with. And it's all about, I mean, that's one of 
one of my passions too. I remember um, the first time I got to call someone on my team, this was years ago, tell them they got a raise. And it was like out of the blue, right? It wasn't review time. They hadn't been there for a year. They were just doing like a damn good job. And we gave them a raise. And, you know, I still remember that phone call to this day as being like one of the most rewarding things in my young career at the time. And it just felt good. So I'm glad to hear that that Roby's doing that too. I mean, has it been... Um, so it sounds like it hasn't been challenging at all to get underneath Big Brother's wings, out from underneath Big Brother's wings, so to speak, as you ro- launched the Roby Services brand. I wouldn't say there weren't some challenges, uh, Brandon, but uh, no, it, it definitely being part of something that, that's, that, that's, that, that like, like Roby that's been built for so long definitely lubricates the track a little bit. But what you're what you were talking about is is culture, right? I mean, that's what we're we're really boiling down to is um, you're talking about giving the raise out. I mean, it kind of gave me it, it makes your arm hair stand up. I mean, it's just so cool to be able to have that impact on somebody else's life, which you know you're being able to do at, at a super young age. So it's cool that you remember that. Um, but that you know, getting ahead of those types of things is really important. So you keep calling me super you. young. I feel like I'm not that young. I'm getting old, Patrick. Yeah, you know, maybe I'm just getting older. Maybe, maybe you're just thinking like, hey, this is still 2016, 2015, Brandon. I don't know. Hey, man, I, I think some of my joints would probably wish it was still that, uh, you know, 2015, 2016. So, uh, I, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I mean, I wake up some, I'm 32 years old. I wake up sometimes <laughs> my back hurts. I'm like, I don't know whether I'm 32 or 62, but. <laughs> you, you breathe wrong. Yeah. Uh, we were talking a little bit too about getting back to the basics, which of course EOS helps us do, right? Um, and, and funnel those issues around. So can you dive into some of those things when you talk about getting back to the basics that you're focusing on this year? You know, coming off of the COVID years, a lot of contractors, particularly in the plumbing, HVAC, electrical world had really great years. And then 2023 came and, you know, whether it's a silent recession, a full on recession, I don't know, right? Return to work, you know, all of that jazz. There's many factors, but 2023 just didn't seem to be the same as the, the two years prior for a lot of lot of contractors. So mm-hmm. I've heard a lot of folks talking about getting back to the basics. And you specifically mentioned, Patrick, 2024 for Roby is the, is the year of focus. Tell me more about that. Yeah, I would say especially on our home, really diving into just the services side of our business for sure. Um, yeah, you know, we 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 do a lot of things on, on as far as mechanical electrical plumbing. We we get a little bit of commercial, a little industrial. We also do some residential construction and then this truly home services division. So what we've, what we've done essentially is kind of split that out into three different groups. One is commercial industrial construction based teams, um, residential and then, and then a truly home services, uh, business model. And we might do a little light commercial out of that as well, but that utilizes softwares like Service Titan and, and marketing from Blue Corona and things like that. Um, those other pieces of the business, the, the, the residential, Trades and the, and the commercial trades are relationship businesses, right? We're working for uh, larger GCs, uh, both ourselves and others outside of ourselves within the market. So I think that for us on the on the services side is really really honing in and, and driving that focus. Where before we you know we would have teams kind of kind of bouncing back and forth, not on purpose, but just out of necessity. You know, one side's slower than the other, one side's more busy than the other. However, you want to look at it. And so we we really tried to focus that in uh, over the last I would say. Uh, three to six months. And then, you know, 2024 is kind of going to be the first full year of, of having this implemented. So you've mentioned EOS a couple times yeah. um, and, and using that as an operating mm-hmm. system. How have y'all used EOS um, and implemented? Has it been well-received? You mentioned you've also been using it for years. I love using it here at Blue Corona because it allows us to get work on the business and pull ourselves out 
and again, work on the business and solve for things like processes or people resources, right? So how is how has Roby specifically been using that to help uh, improve whether it be operational efficiencies or or what have you? I'm a huge EOS fan. I would almost call myself almost like an EOS nerd. I probably don't know as much as I think I almost do. an implementer by this point. I don't know about that. That's that's a strong word there. But uh, but we did we actually self implemented it initially. So we we did this internally. Our commercial construction team and services team did. I read the book Traction after visiting a friend who was in a similar type industry than we're in. I just saw this drastic change in his organization. And I hadn't seen him in a couple of years. And he and he accredited a lot of it to EOS and said, hey, go read this book Traction and call me when you're done with it. This is, gosh, three years ago plus. For some reason that weekend, I was riding down to the, to the beach and my wife and my daughter were already there. And uh, I started listening to the book and I listened to half of it on the way there. And all I could think about was this book. Like I was so distracted that whole weekend. You know, you're supposed to be at the beach with young kid, like having a great time. And all I could think about was finishing this book. I think I called my dad immediately. And I'm like, I think I found it. Um, I found, I found, I found the secret weapon. You know, I'm kind of a shiny object guy. So I'm sure I've said stuff like that before. I mean, that's why the cold email worked. Yeah, right. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, uh, you, 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 man, come on, you got me. We tried it out in our group and we had these boring meetings at like six, six or six thirty in the morning with our kind of our department heads at that time. And I mean, they were painful. I knew they were, they were rough. It was, it was tough because you know, you kind of get locked in on a typical meeting, you get locked in on one topic that might include, I don't know, two or three people. And the rest of the people are kind of like, all right, I'm either going to zone out or I'm going to halfway pay attention. And, um, and so we switched the meeting. We, we just tried an L10 is what they're called, what you get familiar with EOS. And people will start to sit at the end of their chair. They kind of set up a little bit and we're intrigued and we're talking about other divisions and, and trying to help solve issues. And I'm, man, I'm sure we messed this thing up seven ways to Sunday, but we just th- tried it. And uh, at the end, you know, you rank the L10 meeting. That's those are on EOS know that. And, you know, like, hey guys, let's just throw a one to 10 on this. And, and we were getting, you know, eight. Eight and a half, nine. I was like, all right, well, nobody's going to get in trouble or anything, but how would you rank the other ones that we had? I mean, these rankings were terrible. It's like two, four. And so that was kind of like how we initially started. And then uh, since then, we, we've, we've evolved and we've matured and we, we ran it kind of self-implemented for a year or so. And then the, the whole Roby family of companies got involved and we did go and uh, reach out and we are utilizing an implementer now. Uh, a guy named Robert Fish, which uh, which has been extremely helpful to try to get it to the next level. Gotcha. So it was just the services side of the business that started with it. Yeah. Well, services and commercial construction; those are the two that uh, that uh, that I'm part of uh, with with Roby, our commercial construction and then the services side. And so, uh, yeah, at that time we, we were all we're, I mean, we still are all together, but we 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 were together as as a team. So Roby's commercial and Roby services. Uh, that's where we started again. And I, I'm sure we did it wrong about 10, but it just sort of, you know, anything really, Brandon, just getting started is the hardest part. Day one, not not one day. That's what I always say. So, yeah, like um, that. you know, yeah, yeah. Day one, not one day. How did the team respond to implementing that? It sounds like pretty well, but again, we run on EOS here at Blue Corona and it really is on the team to bring problems to the table, which in my C, I always encourage them to do because I'm so far removed from the day-to-day of their world and what they're executing on a daily basis that I don't, I couldn't tell you what the first problem is, right? But they're in it every day. So it really is on the team to be accountable, bring those issues, bring solutions 
as part of that EOS operating system. So how did your team respond? How did you hold everyone accountable to make sure that, hey, we're adopting EOS and, and we've got the buy-in, like we're all in on this? Well, a couple of things kind of come to mind from what you just said is one, yes, uh, the, the fellow that told us about traction initially, he said, hey, the answer is usually in the room. What I love about EOS is it doesn't force uh, the leader or the leader of that particular division to be the one that has to make the call. And the vulnerability side is really what I think you're asking. How do you get people to become vulnerable and say, hey, I have a problem, or maybe if I bring this problem up, it might hurt someone's feeling, that kind of thing. And I think some teams are better than others, for sure. But uh, really just getting past that point, like, hey, put the egos aside. What is the one thing that we can accomplish in this meeting that is going to move our our agenda closer to our 10-year goal, or a three-year goal, or a one-year goal? And so really just getting that buy-in, it just takes time. That's all I can say. Like, I think initially it was easier for us um, with the group that started it, and it was easier with with some of the management folks, and then you kind of work it down. But as folks start to see real change and, and, and there gives them really a, a voice once a week, if there's a problem, I kind of tell people, hey, if it's pissing you off, add it to your L10. Uh, it's annoying you, add it to your L10. And, and the hope is that, it, is that they do and they get they see an opportunity that actions are happening and to-dos are being created. Our implementer calls issues, uh, they also calls them opportunities. They can be opportunities. Let's not, just because the word issue is used doesn't mean it has to be something negative. I hope that answers your question. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, in my experience too, I mean, it all is on, you know, getting buy-in from the top down and, and kind of walking that walk and talking the talk. Because if, if the, the, for everyone from the newest hire to someone who may be just a specialist or a technician, if, if the managers aren't doing it or whoever they report to and leadership isn't, isn't following it and actively working on it, like you mentioned, like take the to-dos, but like, let's get those to-dos done. And, and show some progress. In my experience, that was kind of the tipping point to say, aha, maybe I got my, my first issue or opportunity solved for. And now my life is a little easier. And now I feel a little bit more comfortable bringing some of these opportunities to, to the L10. No, I, I think that's well said. One example that I can give you is a, I was sitting in a room that shared a, uh, shared a wall with our conference room. This is at, I don't know, quarter to seven. And our service, or, I'm sorry, our commercial plumbers were having their L10. And I could hear it. And I didn't want, I wasn't trying, I wasn't eavesdropping. I really couldn't hear what they were saying, but you could tell by the tone, right? And guys were getting really deep, guys and guys. Well, like it's an all male group, unfortunately. We, you know, we could talk about that uh, as well. But they were getting deep with one another. They were getting real with one another. It was so fascinating. And I was so proud and happy that, that this group of, of, of men at the, at the, at the time there were, uh, were doing that with each other. And so uh, I think that's a testament. You know, commercial plumbers aren't typically known. You know, they're they're tough and they're uh, they're out working hard, just just like most of the guys and gals in the trades are. But uh, that was really fascinating to see. It was really cool. So, what is the you talked about um, the one, three, five, ten year vision? What is the vision for the Roby family of companies and specifically Roby Services? We have an overall vision, ten year vision of having five hundred employees on the team or five hundred families. You know, each employee has a family. We don't just employ the mom or the dad. We're, we're really it's really a family deal. And so we want 500 families uh, um, represented by the Roby family companies. That's amazing. How many families do you have today? We're around 140 to 100, 145-ish, 146. So Patrick, you're well-known within the Charlotte community. So how can people find you? LinkedIn is probably the easiest, man. I think you know everybody goes to LinkedIn. I'm, I'm pretty active on there. And um, you know, as long as you're not trying to sell us insurance or something, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, hit me up. I love to talk about this kind of stuff. 
We got this Super Bowl week. Are you a Panthers fan? I'm, I'm, I'm a PSL, proud PSL owner, although I don't know how proud I've been lately, but uh, PSL owner. But we got the Chiefs versus the 49ers coming up. Do you have a dog in the fight? Well, let me back up. I'm with you. I, well, I moved here from Atlanta. Well, I grew up in Atlanta. I went to Clemson and then came to, came to uh, Charlotte. Clemson, and I said, oh, I'm a Syracuse fan. Oh, yeah, yeah. All right. We're both orange. We'll just we'll agree yeah. on that. And so, man, I, I, when I got here, I was like, I'm going to adopt the Panthers. And I gave up the Falcons, and I'm sticking with them. I don't care how bad they are. We can gripe and complain, but I'm not, we're not throwing the baby out with the bathwater. We're going to be back one of these days. But you asked about the 49ers and the Chiefs. I really haven't thought too much about it. Uh, I think I'm going to go with the 49ers, though, just because Mahomes has got one already, and I like Brock Purdy and Chris McCaffrey, the former Panther. Steve yeah, I'm Wilson. hoping Christian McCaffrey gets one. I'm, I'm, I'm 49ers are favored by two, so you're, it sounds like you're taking the, the 49ers <laughs> and the points. I don't know, man. I don't like taking the points. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I think the 49ers and the points, but it's so hard to bet against Patrick Mahomes. I mean, it's yeah, just I unbelievable, know. this guy. Well, we have Reba McIntyre singing the national anthem, and the over-under is set at 90 and a half seconds, so a minute and a half really is the over-under. We think Reba's going to go over or under? <sighs> I'm going to think she's going to go over. I love these bets. These are fun. Over? Okay, I'll take the under then, and then we'll have to get back together and settle you up the, afterwards. You need the coin flip? Yeah, heads or tails? <laughs> we get, uh, I'll go heads. All right, I got tails. Fair. All right, all right. Uh, last one here. Brock, you mentioned Brock Purdy, not known for his legs or being a mobile quarterback. The over-under is set at 11.5 yards, rushing yards for Brock Purdy. We think he's, he had 30-something or 40-something last game, but he averages about six during the regular season. So we think he's going to get more than 11.5 yards. That's rushing. a trap bet. Every sack goes against that. So uh, I'm going to go under. Okay. And last question, over under number of Taylor Swift TV appearances, if she makes the game. I know you got a daughter. I don't know how old she is. I've got two. They're not Taylor Swift fans yet because they're still only two and one. But I set my own line. Apparently, you can't gamble on uh, on uh, how many times celebrities are shown. So I set the line at 10 and a half. We think Taylor Swift, if she makes it, it's going to be shown more or less than 10 and a half times. Oh, I'm going to say more. I think more. I think it's going to be way more. That's a good one. <laughs> All right, Patrick. Well, we'll have to uh, come back and see how these bets panned out. But really want to say thank you for not only being a Blue Crown customer, but you know your partnership over the years and your relationship with me. I value it and appreciate it. So, all right, Patrick, I'll let you go. Thank you very much. Okay, cool. Thank you, Brandon. That was a lot of fun. All right. Thanks, Patrick. Enjoy the rest of your day.